0: Chapter 6 of A History of California, the Spanish Period. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 6 Origin and Application of the Name California. The excerpt in Old French from the Chanson de Roland was recorded by Sonia. One of the most prized possessions of present day Californians is the beautiful and beloved name of the state a name which has a lure that has carried its fame perhaps farther than that of any other state in the Union. Footnote number one. During two years' travel in Europe, the writer found that California was generally known, but that few of the other American states could be called by name. In footnote. Yet the origin and application of the name were for a long time something of a mystery, and neither one nor the other is fully clear yet. California was not named for a member of the royal family in the homeland of the conquerors, as happened in the case of Virginia, for Elizabeth, the Virgin Queen, or Carolina, for King Charles II, Maryland, Georgia, Louisiana. Unlike Massachusetts, Connecticut, Texas, and others too, it was not an Indian word named for an Indian tribe. This being recognized, people for many years centuries after the name was first applied, indulged in guesses as to both the origin and application for which the evidence seemed to have disappeared. Those conjectures are now mere historical curiosities, illustrations in the extreme of the propensity of men to imagine the missing link in a chain of evidence. But as one hears these theories advanced by some even to the present day, it may be worthwhile to notice them. Most frequent among them has been the suggestion of a derivation from two Latin words, calida fornax, or hot furnace. Baja California might well have seemed to Cortez and his men as hot as a furnace, it is said, or the name might also have occurred to them in connection with the Indian Temescal or Sweathouse underground. Similarly, the Catalan word californo, hot oven, has been brought forward, cal y forno lime and furnace or lime kiln provides another guess though cal is spanish and forno is catalan it is doubtful whether the indians of baja california had houses made of mortar in early times thus making use of lime kilns though later they came to have them another view was that it sprang from colofon resin on the ground that the spaniards might have called out that word when they saw the resinous pine trees and decided to apply it as a name, perhaps as Colofonia, gradually corrupting it to California. Another writer suggested Calafornix, based on the Spanish word for cove and the Latin for vault, in that there is an arch under a rock in the bay or cove at one place where Cortes and his men landed in Baja California. These are a few theories out of many, all of which were barren guesses, unsustained by a shred of evidence. It may be said that it was not the habit of Spanish explorers to assign Latin names, or to mix Spanish with Latin or with Catalan in such a matter. A more likely suggestion was that the Spaniards might have misunderstood some Indian word, and applied it as a name, but this was a mere guess. To Edward Everett Hale, distinguished divine and man of letters, is due the clearing away of the greater part of the cobwebs surrounding the origin of the name. In 1862 he chanced upon an old Spanish novel entitled Las Cercas de Esplandian, or The Deeds of Esplandian, and found that it referred to a strange and romantic island, California. He at once jumped to the conclusion that this must have been the source whence the discoverers procured the name. Other men, before his time, knew of the California of the Sergas, for example, the celebrated historian of Spanish literature, George Ticknor, who refers to the word in a volume that he published in 1849. But neither he nor anybody else seems to have thought of its connection with the American state of the same name, or, if they did so, they do not seem to have recorded their impressions. The Sergas de Esplandian was one of those fantastic novels of chivalry which so accurately represented, and in turn influenced, the minds of Europeans in the period of transition from medieval to modern times. It was a sequel to one of the earliest, and undoubtedly the greatest of these books, the Amadis de Gaula, the Amadis of Gaul, of the Portuguese Vasco de Lobeira, The Amadis was written at about the opening of the 15th century, or late in the 14th. L'Obeira, the author, died in 1403. The book had a most extraordinary vogue, being indeed one of the most popular works of all time. It was translated into every important European tongue, and the mighty and heroic Amadis of the novel became almost a household god. It is said that it was unsafe to refer slightingly to amadis for some excited admirer might take upon himself to avenge this hero of romance the novel became even more popular perhaps after the invention of printing since its distribution was of course very greatly facilitated between 1492 and 1504 García Ordonez de Montalvo completed a translation of the work into Spanish in four volumes and attached to it a fifth written by himself, the Sergas de Esplandian. The original date of publication is not clear, but a copy of the year 1508 exists in the British Museum and there is a reference to an edition of 1498. There were a number of reissues, for example, in 1519. 1521, 1525, and 1526, years contemporaneous with Cortes's early activities in New Spain. In accord with the literary practices of his day, Ordoñez de Montalvo pretended that he was merely translating from the Greek a manuscript of the gran maestro Elisabet, who saw and took part in what he relates— the story hinges on a supposed siege of constantinople when all the forces of paganism launched an attack against the emperor and his christian allies in the city in the midst of the siege the pagans received unexpected succor from queen calafia of the islands california here is the story as it appears in the sergas i wish that you should now know of a matter so very strange that neither in writings nor from the memory of people is it possible to discover how, on the following day, the city was on the point of being lost, and how, in that moment of peril, it was saved. Know ye that at the right hand of the Indies there is an island named California, very close to that part of the terrestrial paradise which was inhabited by black women, without a single man among them, and that they lived in the manner of Amazons. They were robust of body, with strong and passionate hearts and great virtues. The island itself is one of the wildest in the world, on account of the bold and craggy rocks. Their weapons were all made of gold. The island everywhere abounds with gold and precious stones, and upon it no other metal was found. They lived in caves well excavated. They had many ships with which they sailed to other coasts to make forays and the men whom they took as prisoners they killed in this island named california there are many griffins in no other part of the world can they be found and there ruled over that island of california a queen of majestic proportions more beautiful than all the others and in the very vigor of her womanhood she was desirous of accomplishing great deeds she was valiant and courageous and ardent with a brave heart And had ambitions to execute nobler actions than had been performed by any other ruler. The upshot was that Calafia, the queen of the island, resolved to lead her women to the war against the Christians. She is excused for this decision on the ground that she did not understand what Christians were. Therefore, she and her best warriors set out in their ships taking with them five hundred griffins which were in the habit of being fed upon the men captured in battle arrived at constantinople she found the pagan cause was going badly so she sought permission to make the attack alone with her forces on the following day adding that the pagans would then see a battle the strangest ever seen and never before dreamed of the next day the dusky californians advanced to the fray and at the proper moment let loose the griffins. Thereupon there was great carnage among the Christians, many of whom were seized and eaten by these birds, while others were carried into the air and allowed to fall, being dashed to pieces. The arrows of the Christians and blows of swords and lances were not sufficient to wound these thick-feathered, tough-bodied creatures of the air. Then Calafia called on the exulting pagans to charge and complete the victory. But here disaster befell for the Griffins, not knowing friend from foe, seized the Turks in the same manner that they had seized the Christians, and soaring high in the air with them, let them drop to earth, and thus killed every one of them. This turned victory into defeat, and when this was seen by Queen Calafia, she was sad in a grand manner. The griffins were called off, and Calafia and her Amazons made a vigorous attack. Though the queen performed prodigies of valor, she was unable to take the city. Thereupon, Calafia joined with radiaro the sultan of Fukuya, in a challenge to the old hero Amadis de Gaula and to his son Esplandian, great emulator of his father's deeds. A handsome black maiden was sent to the Christian camp and was courteously received. Amadis accepted the challenge and agreed that Calafia and the sultan might name the weapons. But the envoy had something more than this message to bring back. She declared that all the Christian leaders were very beautiful to look upon, but that none of them compared in this respect with the noble Esplandian. Calafia now displayed some very human traits she yearned to see and talk with Esplandian, and therefore decided to pay a visit herself to the christian headquarters all night she puzzled over the momentous question of whether she should go in military attire or simply as a woman the woman in her won and she prepared to array herself in a way to make an impression not only did she dress herself in rich robes covered with gold and precious stones but she also rode a steed which was truly more marvellous than had ever been seen and was calculated to attract notice anywhere arrived at her destination she too fell a victim to the charms of the beauteous Esplandian, but maintained sufficient recollection of her purported errand to arrange the terms of the combat Esplandian did not return her admiration for he already had a sweetheart in the person of the emperor's daughter, Leonorina, and he was well content. In due time, the double duel took place. Esplandian betwixt looks at his beloved fiancée, who viewed the affair from a convenient tower, and attention to the fight overcame Radiaro. Meanwhile, Calafia was raining blows on Amadis, but he caught them on his shield or avoided them altogether. Amadis was too much of a gentleman to draw his sword against a lady, but he did not disdain to take a broken piece of her own lance and deal her such blows that he knocked her senseless. Presently the queen got up and protested against his trying to conquer her with a club. The battle was resumed, and once more did Amadis do telling execution with his lance, and once more Calafia was stunned. By this time, the Christian hero had contrived to strip the queen of her shield and helmet, and she had also dropped her sword. So Calafia was constrained to yield. There is more to the story, but the rest is of less interest. Calafia became a prisoner of the Christians and was given to Leonorina. Thus, she saw much of that lady's fiancé and fell desperately in love with him. Not however until he had already married Leonorina, did she make him aware of the fact and then she declared herself to him Esplandian was now generous in the extreme he could not marry her himself so he gave her to his cousin talonke while another cousin married calafia's sister the marriages took place in christian form calafia and all her amazons became christians the pagans were defeated and the now pious caliphia gave her island of california with all its gold and precious stones to the christians and thus did california cease to be a land of amazons only several matters in this account are worthy of comment much of the story represents the oft reiterated recording of ancient traditions the amazons griffins and the terrestrial paradise are of most ancient lineage the last named was the garden of eden of the old testament which medieval and early modern europeans believed to be definitely and recognizably located on the map many such things were sought by the early spanish explorers in the americas and it seems probable that the accounts of columbus are what occasioned the insertion of the tale about califia and the californias in the saragas in a report of fourteen ninety three about his first voyage Columbus told of an island on the way to the Indies where women alone lived, being visited occasionally by men from other parts. These women were warlike, making use of the bow and arrow. It is hardly necessary to add that Columbus did not see the women, he had merely heard of them. Again, in 1498, when Columbus was sailing along the coast of Venezuela, still laboring under the delusion that he was in Asiatic waters, he believed that he was very near the terrestrial paradise and so reported other men of the same time told similar stories the fact that the calafia tale is not an intrinsic part of the sergas but merely thrust in as an extra renders it all the more likely that the author was influenced by the accounts of Columbus's voyage, which had fired men's imagination with what seemed to be a rediscovery of islands and peoples that Europeans had long known traditionally. Incidentally, it may be remarked that even the Griffins were located eventually in America. In 1647, one Besalius published a work in which a description of the western coast of North America was given. In that somewhat terrifying region there were many wild animals, including griffins, and this is not a fable but the truth. Thus did the griffins return to their homeland of the Sergas in California. One thing more, it can at least hardly fail to attract attention that the beautiful Calafia and her charming maidens were of suspiciously African descent it would seem that the color line was not very rigidly drawn some four centuries ago for the author everywhere refers to the lovely californians in terms of the highest approval and does not disdain to marry them in the end to white princes of the royal blood the sequel provided by Ordóñez de montalvo was by no means the only one to the adventures of amadis in all there were fourteen volumes in the series Calafia and the Californians reappear in Book 7, entitled L'Isuarte de Grecia y Perion de Gaula. In that volume, the siege of Constantinople still rages, but this time Calafia fights on the side of the Christians. There were a number of editions of this book, at least one of which appeared as early as 1514 there is hardly room for a doubt that cortes and his men were familiar with the story of the island california all europe had nearly gone mad over the romances of chivalry and the spaniards in particular were looking for the same wonderful experiences in the americas as the wandering knights were wont to have in the realm of fancy there are references in the work by bernal diaz one of the historians of the conquest of new spain to incidents of the amadis de gaula for example in telling of the towns that he and the other soldiers of cortes saw he said we were amazed and said it was like the enchantments they tell of in the legend of amadis also one of the soldiers was nicknamed Agrayas because he was supposed to resemble a character of that name in amadis de gaula since the sergas the Esplandian, was attached to the amadis it could hardly have escaped notice besides which it was popular on its own account though much inferior to lobaira's work it is interesting to note cervantes's opinion of it in the don quixote when the curate and the barber were overhauling the library of don quixote in order to destroy the books which had so shaken their friend's mind they came across the amadis and the esplandion the former was saved as the best of its kind but the latter was the first to go to the bonfire verily said the curate the goodness of the father shall not avail the son granted that the name was suggested to the discoverers of the californias from the romance of the sergas de esplandian the question arises where did ordonius de montalvo get it there have been many guesses on this point similar to those formerly made about the origin of the word in the minds of the conquerors one of these is that the author derived it from the Greek chalos or chali and ornos, the two together meaning beautiful bird for the griffins. Another surmises a derivation from the Arabic word califat meaning province. In Spanish it is said this might have become califon for a large province due to the presence of the augmentative on from which it would be but a step to California or California. To be sure, Ordoñez de Montalvo might have invented the name, and if he did, it would be profitless to guess just how it might have occurred to him. But there is a strong reason for believing that he followed a literary precedent in his use of the word. In the Chanson de Roland, the famous epic poem of the French, believed to have been composed late in the 11th century or possibly later, there occur the following lines. Mort est mis niece, qui tant conquer, Encontre contre me revereront lice, et d'ingre, et bugre, et tante de averse romaine, puylaine, et tuit sils de Palerne, et sils d'Afrique, et sils de Calipherne. This may be translated roughly as follows. Quote, dead is my nephew who conquered so many lands and now the saxons rebel against me and the hungarians bulgarians and many others the romans the pulain and those of palermo sicily and those of africa and those of califerna it is to be noted that here is a catalogue of enemy nations in a list which begins with those in the north and works to the south and east the learned commentators on the chanson have never been able to explain the califerna but gave their opinion that it stands probably for the caliph's domain there can be no question but that a learned man like Ordóñez de montalvo was familiar with the chanson de roland especially since it was cognate to the material that he himself employed certainly the cycle of tales about the knights of the round table at the court of king arthur was very well known to Ordoñez and the other romancers, for the heroes of those stories appear frequently in the novels of chivalry. The appearance of Califerna in this list of peoples and lands, of which several were certainly not Christian, might well have caught Ordoñez's attention when he himself was making a similar catalog of the nations. California is a perfectly natural Spanish form for Califerna, especially since E and O have not infrequently changed from one to the other in the history of Spanish words. This derivation of the word California can perhaps never be proved, but it is too plausible and it may be added too interesting to be overlooked. Thus does the name California become linked with one of the greatest poems in history and the date of its origin is placed four centuries earlier. One wonders, indeed, if there might not have been some long-past Moslem realm, so-called, at least by the peoples of Europe, carrying the name far back to the great days of Baghdad and Damascus. The story of the application of the name to the Californias may some day be revealed in the archives of Spain, but it is at present shrouded in more mystery than is the origin of the word in cortez's so-called fourth letter to the king dated october fifteenth fifteen twenty four he has a paragraph about an expedition by one of his lieutenants in which there is the following story Quote, he likewise brought me an account to the chiefs of the province of seguatan who affirm that there is an island inhabited only by women without any men and that at given times men from the mainland visit them if they conceive, they keep the female children to which they give birth, but the males they throw away. This island is ten days' journey from the province, and many of them went thither and saw it, and told me also that it is very rich in pearls and gold. Unquote. Six years later, Cortes's great enemy, Guzman, who was in the midst of his conquest of Nueva Galicia, made virtually the same report a portion of his letter to the king of spain dated july eighth fifteen thirty reads according to the translation in the Pilgrim's of Samuel purchase as follows quote, from thence Astatlan, ten days further i shall go to find the amazons which some say dwell in the sea some in an arm of the sea and that they are rich and accounted of the people for goddesses and whiter than the other women they use bows arrows and targets have many in great towns at a certain time they admit them i e the men to accompany them which bring up the males as these females issue these documents show that the spaniards were expecting to find just such an island as the california of romance when fortun jimenez on behalf of cortez reached baja california in fifteen thirty three to fifteen thirty four he believed it to be an island but he also found many other islands in the vicinity and most important of all found pearls jimenez must have applied names to the lands he found but the disaster which befell his expedition precluded the saving of any records of the voyage When Cortes himself landed at La Paz in Baja California, he named the site, and also the bay, Santa Cruz. Clearly, if he knew the name applied by Jimenez, he did not retain it. Furthermore, he would not have been inclined to honor the names given by Jimenez, for that worthy had murdered Becerra, Cortes's own kinsman, and the leader he had designated for the voyage. It is said, too, that Cortes never himself employed the name California in reference to the land which had been discovered under his auspices. Many writers who dealt with Cortes' expedition of 1535, for example Gomara, Bernal Diaz, and Herrera, referred to the land as California, but their works were published a number of years after the name had become definitely fixed. A map of 1541 purporting to illustrate Cortés' activities in the Pacific, has the word California on it, but this is believed to have been added late in the 18th century by Archbishop of Mexico Lorenzana, who was getting out an edition of Cortez's letters. On the Oyoa expedition of 1539 to 1540, diaries were kept by Pedro de Palencia and Francisco Preciado, the diary of the former in the original spanish is extant but that of preciado is at present known only in translation the name california does not appear in palencia's diary but in the italian version of preciado's printed in the works of giovanni ramusio between fifteen fifty and fifteen fifty six it occurs three times one of these entries reads we found ourselves fifty-four leagues distant from california much the same statement appears in palencia but the place is called santa cruz thus identifying california with a place where Jimenez and cortez had landed it has been argued that ramusio whose translation appeared after the name had been definitely applied might have taken liberties with preciado's original just as richard haklut later took liberties with the account in Remusio. This is, of course, a possibility, but it cannot be asserted with confidence any more than the probability of its being an accurate rendering can be. In 1542, the name definitely appears in the Spanish journal of Juan Rodriguez Cabrillo, the first European navigator to reach the coast of Alta, California. It is mentioned casually as of a name already well known. There is no direct evidence associating the name California with Ordonez's romance, but the circumstantial evidence is so strong that the connection has been generally accepted since Edward Everett Hale first advanced the idea. Granted that the story in the Sergas accounted for the name, the further question arises, who applied it and when? In the opinion of the writer, the name was applied by Jimenez on the occasion of his discovery of the peninsula in 1533-1534. The failure of Cortes to use the name, owing to his attitude toward the murderer of his kinsman, has already been explained. This would also make clear why those in his immediate service would avoid the name for fear of the displeasure of the old conquistador, and especially does it account for the probable differences on this point in the Palencia and Preciado diaries. Palencia was the personal representative of Cortes on Ulloa's voyage an official diarist, addressing his journal to Cortes. He would therefore be more likely to employ Santa Cruz than the proscribed word California. Preciado's position on the Uyoa voyage is not clear but it would seem that he was not in the same official category as palencia furthermore he left the ship before the end of the voyage the inference is a natural one that he would have been more free than palencia to use the name current among the men Preciado's diary identifies california with the bay and port of la paz there are many indications that the name was applied originally to many islands which were called collectively the Californias. Thus, Richard Hacklute, though of course many years after the discovery, in commenting on certain portions of the story of Marcos Deniza, Niza, speaks of a great island and thirty small islands, which seem to be the new islands of California, rich in pearls, and again of great pearls, and much gold in the isles of California, which are thirty-four in number. It would seem, therefore, that the term Californias, which, for centuries, was much more current than the use of the word in the singular, was intended for the numerous and actually existing pearl islands of the Gulf, one of which might contain the long-sought Amazons, though nobody had seen them in later years the word was retained as a normal plural for the eventual two californias alta and baja there is one other theory concerning the application of the name which is advanced by such high authority and yet is so contrary to the spirit of spanish nomenclature that it cannot be passed over in silence bancroft and miss putnam suggest that the name might have been applied in derision because it was so unlike the Californias of Romance. Bancroft suggests that this might have been given in 1536 by the colonists who were abandoning the peninsula, while Miss Putnam postpones the naming until the voyage of Alarcon in 1540. Miss Putnam points out that Alarcon was disposed to belittle the achievements of Cortes, because Alarcon was then in the service of Cortez's rival, the Viceroy according to miss putnam alarcon or one of his followers might have said there is the wonderful island the marquis sought there is the romancer's california and the name stuck it seems so real to miss putnam that she can almost hear the sneer at the end of the ia, despite the fact that alarcon sailed up the gulf and back again on the mainland coast and not along baja california wherefore He at no time came within sight of those parts of the peninsula reached by Cortes. In any event, the application of the name California, because the land seemed so unlike the California of the Sergas, was both inconsistent with Spanish usage and with the facts as they believed them to be. If the point of view taken in this chapter is correct, the name was applied before the Spaniards had any clear knowledge of the country, and thus represented their beliefs and hopes, rather than disappointment. Indeed, it was not for many years after the voyages of Ulloa and Alarcon that the desolate character of the peninsula became known. In the second place, it is certain not only that the Spaniards had high hopes about the wealth of Californias, hopes which seemed confirmed when the pearls were found there, but also that they were not disappointed, As Mrs. Sanchez has said, They were not looking for green trees and babbling brooks, but for the yellow gold, and none knew better than they that the precious metal was more often found in such bare, desolate lands than in any other. Thousands of documents, the writer himself has seen hundreds, attest the truth of this statement as concerns Spanish ideas about the wealth of the Californias, even of the peninsula. This view was held continuously by the spaniards down to the close of the eighteenth century and even when they did not find riches they always expected to come upon them a little farther on finally the spaniards never seem to have employed the style of mockery suggested in giving place names instead the practice of characterizing a place by a name which implies the very opposite is of a piece with a certain kind of latter-day american humor and totally foreign to Spanish habits. On the contrary, the Spaniards very frequently expressed their real views in their names with complete directness, for example, in such terms as the tiresome hills, Cape Deceit, Valley of Hunger, and Valley of Get Out If You Can. Indeed, says Mrs. Sanchez, referring to the conjecture that the name was applied in derision, not a single fact or argument has yet been advanced in support of such a humiliating theory and there is little doubt that our noble state received its charming name not in mockery but rather in hopeful anticipation almost in the spirit of prophecy of the riches and wonders to be found there and indeed california in one part of its vast extension was eventually to prove itself both literally and metaphorically as the land of gold. Footnote 2. The following works, in addition to the general histories, were used in the preparation of this chapter. 1. Chapman Charles Edward, New Light on the Origin of the Name California, Los Angeles, March 1916, in Grizzly Bear Magazine. 2. Davidson George, The Origin and Meaning of the Name California, San Francisco, 1910, in Geographical Society of the Pacific, Transactions and Proceedings. 3. Putnam, Ruth, with collaboration of Herbert Ingram Priestley. California, the name. Berkeley, California, 1917, in University of California, Publications in History. 4. Sanchez, Nellie Vandegrift, the name of our beloved California, was it given in derision? Los Angeles, April 1916, in Grizzly Bear Magazine. 5. Sanchez, Nellie Vandegrift, Spanish and Indian place names of California, San Francisco, 1914. End of footnote. End of chapter 6.